way better than anybody ever anticipated. Moving up to Saskatchewan, and this is so cool. 300 bushels per acre. Now it's a test plot, but nonetheless, that is amazing. Good day, and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on RealAgriculture.com for not Wednesday, but Thursday, November 2nd. I'm a day late, doggone it. On this episode of The Word, wow, has it gotten wet in parts of Ontario? And what's that doing to my awesome wheat crop, plus a bunch of other wheat questions that have come in? From there, crazy corn. Where are these yields coming from? Many people just amazing, but... Corn is not all roses. We'll talk about that. Then, weed control questions finish up with rye cover crop and some manure questions. Let's go. Before we begin, couple of administrative points. Yes, Johnson is late this week. Only about the second or third time since I starting to do, do the word that I actually missed by a day. Corn plot harvest yesterday. Give me this one if you will at all because rain was coming and has arrived. The other note is once in a while, the word doesn't get posted on the phone system till Thursday. Thursday. That's because Johnson does it Wednesday, late. Rhett has to uh, process it and put it up. He doesn't always get that done before he runs out of time on a Wednesday. We apologize when it's late on a Thursday, but hey, the upside is you guys are listening. You want it. That's awesome. And a shout out to Nature Nut Nick. Once in a while, we forget to post it to the phones. It's on the website, not on the phone system. Nick is the guy that always tells us about that. Thank you very much, Nick. The other administrative detail, registration is open for the Southwest. Ag Conference. Go to www.southwestagconference.ca or call in 1-866-222-9682-866-222-9682. Already we have over a hundred people that have registered. Registration is going to fill up incredibly quick. Get registered. I can't tell you how excited I am with this year's program in particular, our feature speakers. John Montgomery, who's a Canadian Olympian as well as host of Amazing Race Canada. And on day two, Lieutenant General Romeo Dallaire, retired, yes, but a true Canadian hero. Just so excited about this year's program. Don't miss this conference. All right, on to the fun stuff and hokey snapping where does all the rain keep coming from eastern ontario just keeps getting washed out in areas four inches of rainfall over the weekend some elevators that were actually tweeting out don't come to our elevator the, the pits are full of water we can't seem to keep ahead of the rainfall just brutal eastern ontario has gotten hammered all year with excess moisture i don't know where they're going to end up whether they'll be at 200 percent of normal precipitation or not but wow it is wet out there so warren immediately tweets me a picture with his one leaf wheat underwater where are we at johnson this wheat gonna make it or not oh gosh wheat hates wet feet so temperatures are cool that means that it doesn't respire as quickly it will stand water longer than it might have otherwise generally speaking two days is fine four days is questionable uh jill cannell my my great mentor from eastern ontario said it'll be fine for a week or more i'm not so sure it'll be fine it might survive but boy that's a long time to be underwater wheat however is a really interesting plant and if you can get the leaf above water one leaf wheat that's 
really harsh, but if you had earlier wheat, if you had two or three leaves and you could get one of those leaves to actually poke above the water, wheat will transport oxygen through the leaf system once it's up in the air down to the roots and help that plant survive. So the amount of water, the longevity of the water, and the temperature all come into play in this situation. By the way, you know it's a wet year because barley, barley can't transport oxygen from the leaves and it really doesn't like wet feet. Our provincial barley yield is going to be well below average, probably in the 80% range looking at the early data. Oats, on the other hand, oats can really tolerate excess moisture and looks like their yield will be over 100% of average. So just that water standpoint, really quite intriguing how it plays out. Larry, down in the Niagara Peninsula, Thanksgiving weekend got five inches of rain. Ouch! They didn't need that. They are back in the field. They got some wheat planted. They have more rain now. And Larry's saying, you know, I'm not against planting wheat in November, Peter. I'm on heavy clay, but the soil conditions have to be right. Larry, agree a thousand percent. If the soil isn't right, don't plant wheat in November. It's just going to go all bad. The other thing, late wheat heavy clay soil, I think to get a good crop, you probably have to push the seeding rate up to nearly 3 million seeds per acre. That takes a lot of seed. Moving out to Saskatchewan, and this is so cool. Trevor in central Saskatchewan doing some dormant seeding. So I talked to Trevor, and this is essentially, he's putting wheat seeds, spring wheat, into cold ground. Now he started at 4 Celsius. I'm a little worried because wheat will grow if it's over 2 Celsius, but it got cold fast end. They finished yesterday morning, I think it was, in the snow. He had an Australian person there finishing the last 20 acres through the snow, something the Australian's probably going to remember forever. I'm not worried at all about finishing in the snow. As long as that wheat seed doesn't germinate this fall, it can sit in the soil. It'll start to grow next spring. What an awesome experiment. Talking about experiments, as Ken Nixon, my good friend from Elderton, would say, there are no mistakes in agriculture only test plots. I cannot believe the number of people who have called me up with drill runs that got plugged. We have 30 inch row wheat. We have 20 inch row wheat. We have all sorts of weird, wild, and wonderful things out there. People wondering about reseeding those. Oh, you can't do it. It's too wet now anyway. But even earlier on, once that wheat seed starts to emerge, it just, you do too much damage. You really can't go through there and and reseed and do a nice job unless you do it immediately. So the real answer here is just make sure you figure out how to make that into a test plot and let's learn something from it. Clark, you asked about keeping wheat seed over. Clark's also in the Niagara Peninsula, didn't get his wheat in the ground, wondering if he can keep that seed for next year. The big challenge with keeping wheat seed over is bugs, Indian meal moth, weevil, just a bunch of bugs that love wheat. The Actually, the insects, the grain storage insects, love wheat more than any other crop that I'm aware of. So that's the trick. If you can keep the bugs out, then it's probably going to be good seed. Germination rarely drops. Keep it dry. Keep it cool. Do all the right things. Vigor might drop a tad, but no, we've had lots of people keep wheat seed over. Just keep the bugs out of it. And move on to crazy corn. 
corn. Wow. Kevin from Essex. Now, Essex typically heavier clay soil. You don't think of it as a massive corn area. They can grow good corn by 300 bushels per acre. Now, it's a test plot, but nonetheless, that is amazing. Dr. Terry Daynard, a professor of mine, University of Guelph from Wellington County, record corn yield at over 200 bushels per acre. Another caller near Listowel with a plot that ran 242. These are amazing, amazing, amazing yields. And you just step back and say, wow, where did it come from? Well, another little plug for the Southwest Ag Conference. We have Ty's Taller coming in to talk about where is all the yield coming from. And everybody will say genetics. Yeah, it's partially genetics, but it's more environment than you might realize. So Ty's will talk about that and just how climate change, how more sunlight is driving some of these big yields that we're getting. The other thing that I would say, I've sort of been trying to sort this out. Sean challenged me with this on Monday and cool nights. So cool nights, as long as it's not below 10 degrees Celsius, corn is just like wheat. Overnight, it will grow. And so warm nights make it grow faster. It matures quicker, but... It also respires more. And so there is some research out of the U.S. Midwest that cool nights, kind of those 12-degree nights, mean higher corn yields because the corn respires less overnight, just like the wheat crop. So that's kind of interesting. As well as, look at how few days we had this year of over 30 degrees. We had more 30-plus days in September than we did throughout the rest of the year. So yeah, it was dry in areas, but we didn't go as drought-stressed. Oh, i got to be careful. There were some areas super drought stressed, but cool temperatures doesn't accentuate that drought as much. And those high temperatures do cut off yield. So maybe that's a little bit cool nights, not too many hot days and better environment as well as good genetics. A lot of things done right. But these corn yields are, for the most part, absolutely awesome. However... There are some caveats out there. So moistures are high. In some of the shorter season areas, we're getting into grade four corn. Now, I know this doesn't work for everybody, but if you have your own dryer and you're getting grade four corn coming out of the bottom of it, turn the plenum temperature down. Now, all the commercial elevators are saying, oh, Johnson, don't even go down that road. They can't because as soon as you turn the plenum temperature down, you give up capacity. And in fact, I've talked to a couple of growers who actually turned the plenum temperature up because they needed to keep that capacity. The higher the plenum temperature, the more drop you're going to see in that grade. If you can afford to do it and you have your own dryer and you can take the time, then turn the plenum temperature down and see if you don't get that grade to increase. It's really about how quickly that kernel gets dried, how much time it has to shrink down and allow more kernels into that cup. You can increase your grade with lower plenum temperatures most of the time, but it absolutely hurts your capacity. The other thing we're seeing lots of is soft kernels. So more dock. A lot of growers saying, wow, I'm getting docked 1% fines or 1.5% fines. I normally get half a percent or 0.2%. The kernels this year, because of high moisture, 30-ish, 28 to 30-ish, and also maybe the growing season, they seem to be more easily damaged. Johnson doing his own corn with the cylinder as slow as I, I dare put it. The old white corn 
combine, the belt's flapping nearly just because I have the, the tension taken off so much. Going to plug it if it goes any slower, and I'm still grinding that corn up more than I would like. So what does that mean? That means watch it in storage. You clean it as well as you can, but watch that crop in storage. And then, of course, the toxin issue. So kudos to Albert Tenuta, Ben Rosser from the Ministry of Agriculture and Food. The Omafra Toxin Survey is out, and it's looking relatively positive. So 69% of the samples, less than half a part per million toxin. That's awesome. 17% between half a percent and 2%. Uh, that's still pretty good. 14% over two parts per million. So that's much less than last year. It's much better story. Looks like the corn crop for the most part is okay from a toxin standpoint. However, other years when we didn't have a problem, certainly less than 10% was over two parts per million, mostly only down around 5%. So 14% over two parts per million, you might say, gosh, there's some hot spots out there. And I think that's true. However, Note that in the survey this year, they actually targeted some fields where they thought they had a bit of a toxin issue. So it's not a truly random survey. I think that's part of the reason for the 14% that went over two parts per million. And the other thing that they're noticing is that variety does have a play here. So some varieties much more susceptible to fusarium, to gibberella in the corn crop and toxins. If you have a bad field, pay attention. It might be that that particular variety is more susceptible. It's one of those things you just have to look at and sort out. Talking with Greg Stewart, the other thing that Greg would say, he's been doing a ton of these surveys and he's saying, yeah, we sprayed lots for western bean cutworm. But next year I have to do a study because every time I see a western bean cutworm hole, I peel that cob open and there is just a ton of jib growth. Are the western bean cutworm actually taking the fusarium or the gibberella into the ear with them? And I think that's entirely possible, but we don't know that for sure. Second year in a row though, any western bean cutworm damage and gibberella infection boy the correlation there seems really really high still bottom line corn crop way better than anybody ever anticipated okay weed control questions coming in my winter wheat is emerged peter i haven't sprayed it yet i'm worried about canada fleabane got a few dandelions maybe some perennial south thistle what about infinity and weed control under cold temperatures talk to marika at bear as long as it's frost free the crop safety on infinity is awesome don't worry about that so if you're above zero The product should get into the plant. You should get good weed control. It will be slow, probably take three weeks. So don't expect to see quick activity, but it should do the job. Josh, you asked about fall burn down of clover and temperatures. And you've got neighbors out there spraying their clover when there's white on the the clover. It's frosted. Well, glyphosate works to minus four. If it's minus one, they probably can do that. And a high rate of glyphosate is pretty respectable control of red clover. It's not perfect, pretty respectable. The other product that I love on clover by far the best is dicamba. So either distinct or ingenia of one of the dicamba products, that's a little different story. Dicamba makes the plant grow itself to death. If it's super cold, there's no way you can make the plant grow itself to death. So with the dicamba based products, you really would, as you said, like at the very least, two days before 
before application and two days after where you had above zero temperatures and some warm temperature in the forecast to let that product do the job that you want. And horsetail. Wayne, you've got a huge horsetail problem. You're wondering, can I spray it with any? I've taken the soybeans off. Anything I can spray it with this fall? No, if you took the soybeans off, there's simply no plant material left. The horsetail is done for this year. You really have to look at horsetail control as a long-term proposition. And so these are the three herbicides that work the best on horsetail. Liberty is probably the best. Broad Strike is right there with it. It's an excellent herbicide and MCPA. So start planning your herbicide program using those herbicides as the backbone to get the best possible control on the horsetail. Don't forget with MCPA, if the corn has more than four leaves, Oh, you can get tremendous yield loss injury on the corn from the MCPA. So timing becomes critical as well. Of course, horsetail comes slow in the spring, so it really does make it a little bit challenging. But it's a long-term proposition, something you just have to stay on. Finish up quickly with cereal rye as a cover crop. Josh, 45 pounds per acre cereal rye on heavy clay. Eh, rye doesn't like heavy clay that well. 45 pounds per acre, if you drilled, it's plenty thick. But as long as you burn it off next spring, I think it's all good. Great cover crop. Phil, you asked about dairy manure on a cereal rye crop and whether that would take it up or whether it would just get washed away. Well, it's really late in the year. Late applied manure, we get less losses than we do with early applied manure. As far as the cereal rye taking it up this fall, you're not going to get much growth. You're not going to get much uptake, but a lot of that manure will still be there next spring as long as it hasn't washed into the ditch. If you do get a lot of surface movement, that would be a concern, but most of that manure should be there next spring. Rye starts early and so you will get a ton of benefit if you really wanted the best benefit you'd probably wait and put it on next spring when the rye takes off but it can work either way with that we are out of time that's it that's all on behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com this is wheat pete with the word for yes thursday november the second keep the questions coming keep the comments and the feedback coming and we'll be back next week talk to you then